it out towards the big ruck when Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck, handball over the top, Martin. He couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Kyle Martin. And he slammed through his first on the bending over. Who's over his grass? Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. Everyone is back in action after a big Saturday of Eastern Football Netball League. On the, and we're going to talk all about it here on the Monday Recovery, brought to you by Eastland. Matthew Fodia here, media manager. After a big weekend where Park Orchards got off to a rollicking start, Kilsyth almost knocked off Forest Hill, Coldstream knocked off Warrandyte in a big minor Premier showdown, East Burwood taught Temple Stow a lesson, Beaconsfield went 0-2, and in other news, Upper Gully lost big to Luda. But we'll talk about all of that and more. I'm joined by Gavin Casey, Ryan Long, and Matt Spider-Lee. Gentlemen, how are we after another fun-filled Saturday with with some sunshine this time? Yeah, it's good. Um, Footy's back. We're just getting used to the idea of it. Uh, What we've got a lot of assumptions from what we've missed and uh, some expectations, but now it's starting to get a bit realistic. I don't know. It seems like there's upsets, but it could just be um, the true reckoning coming to the fore now, and we might have had our assumptions wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Spider. G'day everyone, great to be here. What a great weekend of footy and the results, uh, having a look through them all. And we spoke on Friday that it was going to be a big weekend and so there was going to be some consequences for teams that, that lost, but also really important for teams to get their season moving. And uh, we saw some uh, really good performances across uh, all divisions. Exactly right. And we were down there at Churnside Park. We were looked after very well nicely we with the food and then even drinks after the game. They, they were very good down there and... Two and zero, Chernside Park, and I think I'm really, I'm actually really excited about Division Four. That just, just over this year, and I think in the next couple of years, is really starting to even up with Kilsyth performing quite well in a loss to Forest Hill and Croydon North getting a win. Absolutely, Gav. Well, the caravan doesn't go to certain suburbs if the catering's not there. Well, exactly, and, that's we, the that's, and that's the thing that we, and you've been pushing hard on this, Gav. You know, get better catering, and we'll be out there. Uh, let's jump straight in. We'll start in Premier Division, and there was a few interesting results. But I guess the one that jumped out was Roville's win over Noble Park. Uh, the Hawks jumped out early, five goals to two in the first quarter before the Bulls worked their way back. They took the lead back, but never at any quarter time or half time break. Roval always in front. In the end, they finished up winning 16-13, an exciting game. Uh, and we've got Roval coach Ben Wise on the line. Benny, would have been a uh, enthralling return to local footy for your Hawks? Yeah, g'day guys. Yeah, it was, it was a super effort by the boys um, after a really long pre-season. So, yeah, really excited. Um, great win for us and um, just a lot of people sort of not giving us uh, much hope. It was, uh, it was good to come out and have a you know, a good day. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on here because we haven't got any goal kickers or best players and so on. Who, who impressed you most from, from your boys and, and and was there anything done to sort of rain on Cole Martin's parade or was it just a good team effort? No, it was, it was pretty good collectively. Um, obviously, we, we had our own, uh, we had a couple of milestone um, games for the boys. We had Nick Gilmaker playing his 150th and uh, and Lachlan McDonald playing his 100th. So we had a bit of motivation for us you know, internally and um, in terms of good performances, it was it was pretty good across the board. But um, Matt Davey popped up to three goals as, as a half forward. Uh, Lockie Stapleton through the middle of the ground was, was exceptional. Um, and Jesse Eikhoff down back was, you know, like he was, he was best on ground for us. He was, he was super. 
Congrats on the win, Ben. Uh, just You just mentioned it then, a couple of your milestone men, Shaw Maker, McDonald. Um, can you just yep. tell us about the impact that they have, not just on the field, but off the field, especially with a lot of a, the younger group that are coming up to the club at the moment? Yeah, mate, they're, um, obviously Nick Stewart-Maker, he's been a leader at the footy club for, you know, since I've been since I've been there. So he's been vice-captain and just the standards he sets with his training and application of, you know, getting himself prepared really well. Um, you know, he, he wins time trials. He's our ruckman. He's, he's probably a little bit undersized for our ruckman, but just his will um, to, to compete and be a warrior, and he, he doesn't accept anything less than 100%. So, you know, the way he sets the standards for the younger guys, they see that, that he's putting in the work. And, um, yeah, those, those younger guys are just starting to follow suit. Um, and, and Lockie McDonald, obviously, one of the most talented guys we've had at the list. He's obviously a, a homegrown boy, and um, you know he's gone from being an exceptional small forward to one of the premier division um, midfielders in the comp now. So um, that just comes down to hard work and a um, bit of exposure. You know, changing his changing his mindset of being that small forward into wanting to be a midfielder, and you know he's put in the work, and now we're starting to see the reward. And last season, Noel Park were known for their defensive game. Uh, just how proud of you just to be able to break through that um, and score over 100 on them, which was quite rare, uh, quite rare last year. And did you address that before the game and how that uh, end up playing out? No, not overly. I, I think, um, you know, coming into round one, not really knowing too much about other sides and only seeing them probably for eight games last year. It was, you know, the last two years, you're sort of going, I suppose, off reputation of, you know, just strong clubs being strong. And, um, you know, we knew internally that we were ready for the, you know, ready for the contest. And um, we just had to bring the way we, we just concentrated on us, um, making sure that we did what we wanted to do. And, you know, they've got stars across all their lines. Um, you know, they're, they're a really quality club and we respected them a lot. But we knew if we brought our footy in the way we wanted to play and, and move, the, move the footy and give our uh, forwards, you know, the options, um, you know, getting it in there quick and, and the one-on-ones we thought, you know, not letting them set up behind the ball was um, was going to be really key and you know, getting it in there and putting pressure on them, it sort of it helped us score a lot easier. G'day, Ben. It's uh, Spider here. Well done on the, the win yesterday. It's a, it's G'day, a Spider. It's a great, uh, great way to start the year. Look, over the last couple of seasons since you began your tenure at, at Roval, it's, you know, it's been a big opportunity for you in the coaches box and you would have learned a lot. So what are the big things, do you think, in the most recent time that you are learning now to, to grow this team? Because last year there was a lot of questions whether where Roval sat in the scheme of things, there was some good performances and then some not so good performances. What areas have you really worked on to make sure that in 2022 you're going to have more consistency as a footy team? Yeah, that's a good question, Spider. I, I think... Um you know, from my point of view, when I when I did take over, it was obviously a really tough time for the club. Um, you know, coming out of COVID, change of coach, um, just with the whole scheme of things of, um, you know, they changed the, the amount of money you can spend, the cap and everything. So it was really difficult to sort of keep the group together, um, which we, we sort of did as well as we could. Um, for, for me, when I took over, it was just about engaging the boys again and, and finding the love for the game and, you know, having a year off, a lot of guys either dropped off or, you know, didn't train and, and found the motivation really hard. And I think for me, it was just about, you know, everyone trying to get them to come back and just be happy coming and playing footy and, and finding that love. And 
you know, last year being a young group and exposing so many young kids to, to senior footy, you're always going to have those up and down uh, games. And I think for us, we just worked a lot harder on um, on defence over the over the preseason and, and just understood that we we didn't want to get open up the other way. So it was just about working out, um, you know, how we move the ball and, and where we want to sort of not open ourselves up as a side um, to be able to protect, you know, transition play and. Worked really hard on that, and and that's um you know hopefully we can continue to do that. Involvement of your list is always very important. You know when you try to you know continue to, to grow as a group. And this season, I noticed that you have a lot of uh, VFL listed players uh, amongst the group, and to try and maintain that consistency. And when the magnets go up on a Thursday night, how hard is it for you to sort of look there and go? I'm going to have to, how do I you know, leave this player out? But I know that potentially we've got two or three others that might be coming back in. So having that flexibility, but also having that depth underneath to come in and I suppose step up and take roles on when they need to. How do you address that within within your own coaching group, but also with the players as well? Yeah, mate, I think, um, you know, it's been touched on a couple of times about, you know, Roval having so many top players, either be listed or, you know, like out. Even with Eastern, you know, we've got a, we've got six boys down there as well, and um, I, I just think for our program, it's really good to have high end talent, um, you know, trying their luck and trying, you know, trying to better their footy at a higher level. And you know, I'll always be, I'll always be a coach that's going to push the players to, to go to the highest level that they can, and you know, they'll work it all out for themselves. But you know, dealing with it internally, having people there, like I'm, I'm going to pick the best the best side available week to week and, and that may change and guys understand, you know, like I've been pretty transparent with the whole group um, where we needed to improve and everyone understands what, you know, what comes with it. Just with the, you know, this day and age with the way the AFL set up and, and the COVID rules and then obviously VFL and, you know, all these plays being on different lists and, and it's just about understanding, um, making sure the players know that, you know, when it comes back to local level, things are going to have an impact on our selection. And as long as um, as long as I'm pretty open with with the players and they understand where they all stand, um, I, I don't think it's too much of a hassle. And you know, some of those guys that are on list, they've been with us. They're all you know one pointers, and you know, they're not. It's not like I've gone out and I've probably only brought in you know five or six new blokes that that aren't rogue people, and the rest are all these kids that are coming through and and been in. Um, you know, been in programs through Eastern and, and then trying their luck at VFL. So they're not new to the group. Um, and my, on paper, it may look like we've got a lot at VFL, but internally, mate, they're, they're part of the, you know, part of the fabric. So, so yeah, they're, they're fabric of the club. And that's really important because you're trying to nurture yeah. them. And you've been around long enough yeah. to know through your, your playing times and, and all the coaches yeah. that you've played with under and, and other involvement that that happens. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with those comments. Yeah. Yeah. And Ben, if we just look back at the game, um, we know Aussie Rules is a momentum game, and but how important for you was getting out of the blocks and a fast start and getting that three goal advantage by quarter time? Yeah, it was it was huge. Um, you know, like you even look at the AFL now, you, you really got to start the game well, and um, I, I know how quality Noble Park are. Their midfield, you know, it's, it's stacked, and you know that they're, they're going to get their hands on the footy a bit and. They're going to hurt you at times. It's just about you know weathering the storm a little bit when they do get their run and and not letting them turn a you know a really good passage of play of two three goals into a five six seven and and that's what our growth and our progress has been as a group and 
were able to sort of, you know, they, they did kick one or two and, and get close. And I was just really proud of, you know, how we responded. And, you know, we stuck fat. And it, it's probably, you know, looking at years previous, we, we've allowed sides to kick four, five, six goals at a time and sort of just stem the flow a little bit and understand, you know, at that point in time um, what to do and, and how to set up. And when we got our hands on the footy, we took a bit of, you know, we took a bit of time off the clock. So, um, yeah, getting a really good start and giving us a chance to be in the game early, it, it, um, it definitely gave the guys some confidence and, you know, that just, that just went on for the full 120 minutes. And you talk about um, holding up their momentum. Was that a tempo game or was that getting numbers around the contest? Because I'm sure that there would have been a bit of emotion if Martin was getting a few touches on his milestone day. Do you feel like you had to do something in particular when Noble Park were getting back into the game in the second and third term? No, you just sort of put it on your leaders to um, make sure you just, you know, get get another contest, get another stoppage and just take away their run. Like if they, on transition, they're a hard hard team to stop and you can't really do much with their flow once they get running from, especially from defence, you know, like they've got a quality quality defence and, you know, Morrow for them was probably, I gave him, you know, their best player and he played on young Windy and, you know, Windy competed well, but. But he's a quality defender, and and you, they start a lot of their attacks from from defence, and it's just about where you position yourself, um, you know, on the ground to to stop that and know where they're going. They attack a lot through the middle of the ground, and and we were able to sort of just clog that up at times, and then cause a either a turnover or you know a, a possession that didn't hit the target. So then we were able to sort of get our hands on the footy again, and. You know, just stem it a little bit, and and it helps when you have you know Anthony Brolick and Alex Frawley and Chewy through the middle of the ground, and then you got you know younger guys like Lockie Stapleton and you know um, even you know uh, Lockie McDonald, like those guys, getting them into spots and and positioning themselves really well to be able to defend, and you know that just helped our side immensely, um, and and it helped our backs, especially with our younger guys down there. Um, Cooper McDonald and Jesse Eichhoff and Mitchie Schrock, you know, these kids are only, they've only played, you know, 40 games between them, not even. Um, so, yeah, they're really still raw and having that support just made their game a little bit better. And the credit has to go to the group with a seven-point lead at three-quarter time. You pulled away at the end. So what what does the group get out of that going forward? And, and just talk about your last quarter there because you kicked four goals to two. So it was a good finish. Yeah, oh, mate, they, they get a lot of belief, obviously. You know, beating, you know, beating a side that's been predicted as a, as the premier or, you know, the, the, the side to beat this year. Um, you know, like coming up against them, we knew it was going to be a super challenge and I just kept drumming into them. Um, you know, if you, if you want to be the best and we know where we want to get, we've got to be knocking off sides like this, especially at home as well. And, um, yeah, the last quarter was it was really tough. Like they they were out on their feet as much as we were. Um, you know, I had a lot of boys that they were cramping, and well, I was changing people. People going through the middle, and I was changing people down pack. They couldn't run, and um, just really proud. They they did the work, but um, it doesn't it doesn't matter how much running you do in preseason. When it comes to to round one, you're going to be cooked. So um, yeah, just really proud with the fight and. And the maturity of the group to, to keep going and, and playing our way and not going to their shell, that was, you know, it was really pleasing for me. 
Well, Ben, uh, it's a, a pleasing start for Roville, a pleasing start for yourselves, and you've got North Ringwood next week, which is a big opportunity for the club to, to keep that momentum rolling and go 2-0 and and hopefully have a big year for the Hawks. Thanks for joining us, mate, on the weekend uh, – sorry, the Monday recovery, um, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, not a worry, guys. Thanks for that. It was, uh, it was good to chat. Let's hope we um, have a couple of more wins and, yeah. Talk soon. Have a, have a really successful year. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. See you later. See you, guys. Ben Wise there, the Roville senior coach there, and a, a really strong start for the Hawks, wasn't it, Gav? They, mm. they impressed everyone because, as, as you mentioned there, and a few people in this room have been guilty of having Noble Park right up top and Roval right <laughs> down the bottom, and they've already flipped the script. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think it was an interesting conversation. Uh, ben represented himself and the club really well there, and he, and he mentioned how his lineup and he's got a bit of a youth going through there, and they stood up to the pressure, and you, uh, Spider, were talking about their permit situations, they might lose players, but he he had didn't want to have any of that. It's like no. they're Roval players, and we'll, and it seems like we'll take it on as it comes. Yeah, well, it seems like there's got a there's an honest strategy, isn't there? There, he's got a, an an idea of where he thinks it'll all lie throughout the course of the year. He'll assess it on a week by week basis, um, and he knows. Uh, sort of game style he wants to develop the the way that he's going to attack and play teams and uh, I think it's a it's a good positive mindset to have and I, I think he's starting to really mature into that coaching mindset Ben you know it hasn't been an easy um, transition into the for him but I, he certainly uh, you, you get the feeling that uh, you know he's enjoying his time there and uh, you know he, he certainly got uh, the support around him you know and let's hope for, for Roval's sake that he's uh, that he's there for a long time to come well just one thing and he it's great that the – I think everyone knows game styles and Noble Park being great behind the ball. Mentioned Morrison there. When we get to see him, they, the, taking that intercept mark is fantastic for Noble Park because yeah. they don't always dominate in the middle, but they've got great transition play. So I think he identified that with Roval. And even though when Noble Park did get ascendancy on the ball, he was – he was able to cut out some of their attacks by the sounds of it and identified where Noble Park could score against him. And so I think that's fantastic co- identification of what game he wanted to play yesterday. Well, it is. And, Ryan, you understand it too. Like when you take away someone's strength, that is, that's such a big important factor of winning a game and what Roval did yesterday. They, they took away their A game, they, the, their, their, their main weapon, what Noble Park basically rely upon, and they build their game around. So, you know, you've got to give it to Roval for the way that they went about it. Yeah, that's key, that's key for them. But also, Gee talked about the youth that's coming through, and they're going to be a very good side in a few years down the track when with some of those names that he mentioned start getting some more games at senior level. Obviously, they had a few that were blooded last year and now this year. They only had to play out of the eight games. So now if they can get a full season in there and they can hang in there, I actually thought, obviously, I was I was one who had them right at the bottom of the ladder. And that was more just on the unpredictability that the uh, VFL plays, the uh, whether they're available or not. And that's sort of, to me, the, the consistency is going to still fluctuate. But clearly, he's not too concerned about that. And the people that they've got at the club right now, there, he's, he's very happy with it. Yeah, it's only, it is only round one as well. So, as we said off the top of the show, round one can throw up some curveballs. But hopefully, for Oville's sake, that's not a curveball. Uh, Park Orchard's got their, their Premier Division um, 
dream or, or, or campaign off to a, a dream start. Uh, they knocked off a local rival North Ring, and we did say there'd be goals there, and there were goals. Park Orchards, um, it was only two goals up, three quarter time, but they piled on eight goals to just one in the in the last quarter and ended up running out fifty seven point winners. Connie Hickey kicked six, and and Josh Vogt four, and and Dennis Armfield three. So a great start for Park Orchards, the Sharks. So they sit top of the ladder um, after one game in the Premier Division, which is very exciting for them. Another newcomer is Berwick, obviously second year in the competition. They'd be they come away pretty happy, I'd say, Gav. Um, you know, they were down by four goals at halftime to South Croydon and won the second half, six goals to five. Uh, ended up going down by 18 points. You know, obviously it looks like South Croydon had their measure yep. to, the, to maybe they might have taken their foot off the gas. But to end, they're only two and a half goals down at, at, at three-quarter time. I think considering all their losses, Berwick would be very happy with that performance. Well, I think what we noticed is Berwick's got, uh, I assume there's still a smaller forward line. So yeah, I don't think they've picked up any height. So they're relying on their entries. They're very good around the contest, like extremely good. And I think that caught off the opposition in their first uh, go in the Premier Division. But South Croydon, they've got firepower. Wilson kicked four, just going back in. King kicked a few. Um, I, think Ch- da- I think Dano was best on ground, so the old dog, he's still going yeah. around. So uh, they've got potency, um, and that's always going to serve South Croydon well. Uh, do we think they're a contender, South Yeah, Croydon? I think I think so. I think, and a lot of people I've spoken to have them as, as a team to beat. Just they've added in a lot of players like Matt Jones, Dale Walker that are ready to go now. So that'll be interesting as well. But I think that, I think that's well, as Jones the year goes. Is a big player for him, isn't he? Really, yeah. he's, a, he's a key component of what they're going to do throughout the season. I think the one thing about uh, South Croydon is it's just being able to do it on a week to week basis and, and be doing it consistently. And when they need to put the teams away, they'll do that. I mean, and in the big games, the ones that they really need to win, they just have to come to play. And, and teams like uh, Berwick, look, they're going to be very competitive during the year, but I think they're small steps for them. Mm. We're not expecting anything big from them uh, throughout the course of the season, but I still have a bit of a feeling that they'll be uh, in the lower part of the ladder. Yeah. Well, South Gordon got a strong half-back line. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're very good across all the lines. But, yeah, they're another side that, that has that sort of back six that, that is well set. And I think as the year goes on, Spider's right. That, I think that'll be a, a result that says more about Berwick and South Corridor. And South Corridor happy to get the points. But Berwick obviously showing they won't be, you know, easy beats at any point this year. Uh, and then the, the other two games, we'll leave Vermont Doncaster East to last. But Norwood got a massive win. They left some percentage out there. 15-26 they kicked um, on their way to a big win over Doncaster 8-11. So Jamie Bennell kicked seven and then... Uh, uh, Goals shared elsewhere. Uh, Kyle Vickers, three for Doncaster. So, Jamie Bennell showing his, his class. I think they wore their Indigenous jumper once again by the looks of it, which is they might be using it as a class strip, which is good. We want to see that as often as possible. And then out at Zerbys, that was the, an interesting game. It was probably the game everyone wanted to look at because there was a lot of hope, or, or not hope, I guess, expectation that Doncaster East might be able to challenge um, the reigning Premier in Vermont. They haven't played finals in, in two years, but they're still the reigning Premier. Um, they were held goldless in the first quarter, Donny East, and then after that, it, it looked like it was goal for goal pretty much all the way through with Doncaster East winning those last three quarters but not able to pull it back enough. Went down by uh, five points. Andrew Ainger off, from all reports, two training sessions, kicked eight goals in a best on ground performance and, and a couple of um, new names on that uh, Vermont team sheet, Gavin, you know, Emiliano Alexia, Alexio sorry, and, and Matthew Arnott uh, popping up with goals. I always wonder if Vermont, they're the challenged side. Johnny East, 
it's almost like they uh, put the calendar of two years ago when they were three winning. or four years ago. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they circled this one. Yeah, they were always like, oh, we can't wait until the day comes and we play Vermont. So Vermont are always up against it, but they were up against it in the third quarter when uh, Donny East were piling on the goals. So it's an impressive comeback for Vermont, and they got the win. And at the end of the year, it's just going to look like another win for Vermont. But that seems like they were, you know, behind the eight ball there, and they got out with a good win. Um, yeah, they just do what they always do. They get their hands on the ball and they find a way. Yeah, we spoke about it on Friday in the, in the match preview that you know, we felt that it was going to be a very competitive game and then Vermont was just probably going to be do, be able to do enough to, to win the game. But it looks like uh, and that's exactly what uh, has happened and transpired. But you, you look at the, what Donnie East have uh, had you know, during the course of the game, it looks like uh, they're going to have a pretty competitive side uh, right throughout. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few more um, positive performances over the next couple of weeks. And who knows? they might be uh, a bit of a surprise packet. I wouldn't be surprised if they meet again in a finals, in an elimination final or something. But it was sort of a similar trend to to last year. Vermont just seemed to be able to get the job done in these sort of close games. I think their only loss last year was to uh, Baldwin maybe by a couple of points. But other than that, they seem to be able to just just be able to get it done no matter who's on the list. And Doncaster East, um, I think they lost a couple of these sort of close ones at the start of the year. So it's going to be Pretty important Pretty much identical for them. Yeah. things around one last year. They Blackburn lost Blackburn by yeah, a point. So so. It'll be important then just to start getting some four points of the board. Just to, I think they, they obviously would be fine, but just to Who they got relieve next the week? pressure. Or next. Donny East. Uh, next Doncaster, I think. Yeah, so they, you did, again, I think their, their fixture is pretty similar to last year. Start, off with, a, start, off, with a, start off with a good team uh, or a, mm. a competitor and then play Doncaster in... in it, it, that'll be a bigger test for Doncaster because if they lose that one by a big margin, it could be a long year for the Sharks. Going to go to our first break here on the Monday recovery, and when we're back, we're going to talk about Division 1. Joel wheels around onto his left, goes long inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50. They've got to try and get their hands on this. Finn no, Brown, Finn Brown, brilliant. Can he kick the goal? Finn Brown, he has! A bit decided, David Lake. He must have just stepped off his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite... Um, a dainty man just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but it struck it pretty That's nicely. Right. Two in a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double cobra. That's the first one of 2021. The Tigers, 2-1-13. Yeah, the Devils are the team we're going to talk about at the moment. Uh, Mitchum up to an 0 and 2 start, but they have played the top two sides. We'll talk about them in a little second. But it's the Monday recovery here. You're listening with Matt Foley, Ryan Long, Matt Spiderley, and Gavin Casey. We're going to jump into Division One. Uh, Wanty South got a one point win. Oh, sorry, Montrose got a one point win over Wanturna South in a game that at, at no point did either side really break away. From all reports, both sides had opportunities to, to kill the game at different stages and, and neither could really take it. In the end, it was a solitary behind, 12-14 to 12-13. Montrose getting up, a, a sigh of relief for Gary Ayres, Gav, who uh, I think if he'd come away 0-2, despite the fact that they were playing some good sides, he, he's a man who likes to win. And, and now that he's got one under his belt, he can relax and get stuck into it. Well, that's it. The Spider and I were talking before and he was making a good point about Gary Ayres and his approach because you on the uh, Friday preview were talking about he'd be very methodical, wanting to counter the first round loss. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, 
that looks like a cracker of a game, which hardly anything split them. Yeah, yeah, all day. And we spoke about it on Friday in that preview that I felt it was going to be close. So just, and I just had a bit of a feeling that if it did get close, that Montrose might know what to do. They, they, they're that sort of a side. As he knows the methodology behind it all, the strategy. And just that willingness and that motivation to be able to drag his team over the line. And uh, he, he got the result uh, on the weekend. And I think they'll be really you know, happy with the way that they went about their footy yesterday. It looks like a very even game. Uh, from all reports, talking to some people across the weekend, they said, look, both teams certainly had opportunities to, to win the game. But just in the end, probably Montrose just used the ball a little bit better throughout the course of the game and made a couple of uh, you know, really important decisions uh, you know, just uh, at vital times that uh, in the end has secured them the four points. And uh, yeah, Gary has to be very pleased to, to walk away with that one. And Jordan being covered as a prime Goal kicker for Wanny South, uh, him getting held to one goal would have seemed important for Montrose. Yeah, I think absolutely, and Ryan would definitely agree. I mean, he's he's their you know, their main man up forward, and if he's kicking goals, you know, one turn a set, they generally win games. But you know, Montrose defensively, they've always been questioned about how uh, how good they have been, and on this occasion, they've really stood firm in a, in a big game and in a tight game. So that would be very comforting uh, for everyone uh, you know, at the Demons. But I think on the a flip side of that, that. Jordan only kicks one, and they still find some other goal kickers. Cowman kicked three, Hewitt kicked three, Lincoln Wong kicked another two. I think he kicked two last yeah, week as well. Yeah, four in two weeks. For so they've obviously been able to find some other targets, and I think that's a better thing because they were relying on on a Jordan um, last year and a few others. So I mean, obviously it was it could have gone either way. So I, I'm I think that's a, a positive sign for One Turn South in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And David Lang, that's two weeks in a row he's been in the best players and Brooke Caney. So they've got a bit of um, stability in defence and, and some impressive performers down there. And, and Jake Dean's the ruckman from all reports. He's starting to get some uh, some hop in his step again. You know, he's starting to leap uh, a bit better in those ruck contests and that's two weeks in a row where he's been impressive too. So uh, I think we'll just have to watch and see, wait and see on those two clubs. Um, you know, wh- whether they're both going to be finalists or whether this is a game where that, that might be the, the winner takes fifth or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how that the rest of the year pans out for, for the Demons and the Devils. Uh, Murrubuck and Beaconsfield. So Murrubuck 2-0. and um, Not quite as convincing as, as you probably would have liked in, in, if you were heading in the, to the game at the start for a Mustangs fan. They were up 10-9 to 6-9 at three-quarter time and they, they kicked 2-1 and then Beaconsfield had six scoring shots in the last quarter. So it could have been a lot closer but they didn't kick any goals, the Eagles. So they finished up 6-15, went down by 31 points. Heath Hocking kicked two goals and from all reports the last week did something similar in the last quarter. Just Took the game by the scruff of the neck and got it, got it going. And Caden Mackey, or Mackay, uh, young fella from Roebuck, that's two weeks in a row he's been around their best players and getting plenty of the football spider. Yeah, look, and if we're talking to some people from Beaconsfield as well, you know, they've de- you know, de- debuted eight um, you know, first gamers who have played in their Colts system. So it's going to be steady improvement for them. So it's going to be not all going to happen straight away for them, but I think as the season goes on, I think we'll see them get better and better as they go. And I'm sure they'll get some wins along the way. But it's just going to be those uh, early, you know, teething problems. You know, trying to get them to gel together and uh, yeah, get some games into them. Look, there was some skill errors, and uh, you know. But they they are a highly talented side, um, you know, from all reports. So uh, I think they're a bit of a watch this space uh, as the season goes on. But in in terms of uh, Murrubuck, yeah, we'll get the job. They got the job done, and uh, yeah, all their key players uh, stood up when they really needed to. Just like Berwick, big club in in their uh, area of a competition they've been in Beaconsfield. What's uh, 
you did say that you've touched base. Is there any word coming back now of what they see of the competition and their place in it and their level? Well, I think uh, we, yeah, with a guy like um, you know, Mick Fogarty, who's been around, he, he understands what's involved. I mean, he, he, you know, he's got that experience, but putting those kids in that sort of situation and developing, uh, that's where they probably see primarily their focus, uh, where they're going to try and put all their work into over the next period of time because, and, and just add a little bit of experience as they go because I think they probably think that if uh, they come in straight away, all guns blazing, and just put you know an experienced team on the field, the reality is it could all go pear-shaped. Very... I, I don't know if that was initially the plan, though. I think that's just the way it's rolled out. I think they lost they lost they three lost they lost players. three of their best players to Devon Meadows. Yep. Last year, Where's not that? ideal. Morning to Peninsula. Oh, okay. Um, but, but so, so through... it's this is this yeah. is sort of like the cards that have been dealt to Mick Fogarty, and he's decided rather than trying to recruit a couple of older heads and and try to try to go straight away that this is the way they go and they're going to back themselves. And and as we get to some scores in this division later on, they're not going to go down. They'd but, have to but, do but something Noble pretty Park, badly to when go they down. Actually, came in and Mick Fogarty was involved at that period of time back when Noble Park first came into the competition, it wasn't an instantaneous thing. Noble Park waited, they had a bit of a look for one to two years, brought some kids through and then they blended that senior experience and then players you know, came back to the club and ultimately they got the success with, uh, you know, with multiple premierships and so I think Noble Park have uh, really been uh, uh, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a template for Mick Fogarty that he can definitely use for Beaconsfield going forward. I think it's really just a feeling out sort of year, uh, sort of similar to Berwick last year in Premier Division. You get to know some of the sides they're playing against, uh, get to get the boys that they've got at the moment to gel a bit more, and then maybe next year, once you once see how you go this year, that's when you start to maybe push for a finals spot. Yeah, just just that comparison you've got there, Spider. So Noah Park came over in 2000, so they went 6th, 5th, 3rd, and then one back-to-back flag, so... Yeah, on that on that theme, Gav, the Beaconsfield should be in Premier Division in about 2025. All right, good luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good win from Roebuck, so they're 2-0, and, oh, and I think they're just on top of the ladder on percentage ahead of East Ringwood, who got a similar win over Mitchum, 92-67. Trent Farmer, you know, did similar things to what Heath Hocking and, and, and so on did last week to Mitchum. So Mitchum, both games have been in the game until three-quarter time. This time they're only down by three goals. Similar situation against Murabak the week before um, where Monkhurst, as I mentioned, and Hocking took over. This week it was Trent Farmer took over. He kicked three in the end, but from all reports it was that last quarter where he stood up and, and I, I don't know how much he's paid, but we'll call him a big money recruit because I think everyone assumes um, you know, that's what you want from those sort of players. Stephen Dinell kicked two as well, so good to see him uh, go well. And Mitchum, a note for them there, twin Towers, Parentian level, seven goals between them, but seven of ten. So if they can get some other goal kickers, that'd be nice. But it's contribution, isn't it, boys? Yeah, you, but East Ring are doing what they they need to do, aren't they, Spider? Yeah, they are. Look, we've been talking about them on the preview show and on all the other programs. Look, they're in my eyes uh, the the benchmark team uh, and the team to, to really uh, you know set the season up. I think they're the one, the number one seed at the moment, and I think everyone's uh, chasing uh, chasing East Ringwood. But they just look quality recruits coming in and. Immediately having impact, and that's what you want in a footy club. They come in, they make that impact, and they put it, you know, stamp their authority on uh, what they're going to do this season. Do you think? Oh, sorry, just one quick one. Do you think the experience will be invaluable at the end of the season? Because not only are they great players, but level heads as well that they brought in. 
yeah, key experience. And I think that makes it all in big games. Those players know what to do. You know, they keep the team calm. But when the pressure moments are on, they're the players that step up. And if they're not involved in the pressure moments, they can guide the other players through it and uh, yeah, give the other players the confidence knowing that they can uh, contribute and get the job done. So I think that's a really good uh, you know, ingredient to have within and component to have within your team. And I think East Ringwood have certainly uh, got the right mix of uh, you know, within their list. I think that's probably a pretty accurate reflection of Mitchum as well. They're, they're probably lacking that sort of star power yeah. to compete with they're an four East or five goals on match, isn't it? And not yeah. speaking to a few people that saw them play last week, they had their chances and just didn't get over the line. And then this week again, they just their, their bottom core players are the ones that really drop off quite you know substantially, and that's probably the only concern we've got on them at the yeah. moment. If they get it inside 50 a lot more, they definitely oh. have the firepower. With that was probably Jake a, a knock on them there. last year. It wasn't until Parenti came in they were able to kick scores. Yeah. Um, so so they're, they're getting there. And again, I think they've got that benefit of, of we know, you know, if you look at it, Upper Gully might be the team that's going down. That's another big loss. So they've played Bayswater and Ludo, who finished 8th and ninth last year. So we said on the season previews that this was Upper Gully's chance to maybe pinch a win early and get some, you know, life into their season and an injection, a shot in the arm. And they've gone down both times by over 60 points. 115 to 47, we've got no co-kickers, no best players. So we're just going to assume someone from Ludo kicked a bag. Uh, but Ludo, they, they impressed last week to, um, getting close to Croydon. Um, and then they've got the win this week. And then speaking of Croydon, another tight win over a side that's not expected to make finals. But for more reports, Croydon are undermanned at the moment, and they keep having uh, consistent shots of goal. Two and zero—that's what good teams do in the end, isn't it, Ryan? You know, while you're undermanned, you're playing sides you should beat. They get the job done, and hopefully, for their sake, when those players come back, they're already two and zero. They're not—they're not behind the eight ball. They've got themselves a nice foundation. Yeah, and we saw that the sides like one turn south in the division last year. They they started zero and three, and then you, you're straight away you're, you're catching up. You're playing behind the eight ball. So, yeah, obviously they're going to get some few players back. Costantino's Cos, uh, been pretty good. He's a He's probably their uh, most can, dangerous you can, forward. You can bank on him at least kicking two. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's a key player for them, and um, as long as they keep winning, I, I think they're a, probably a, a, a top four side. And if they do get their players back, uh, I think they're they're one that could contend against a an East Ringwood or a. Um, Spider. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's just being able to grind those games out and those performances. Sometimes it doesn't have to be all pretty and uh, you're not going to kick all the big scores and you're not going to do all the, the wonderful things. But sometimes uh, winning ugly and uh, grinding the moments out uh, are the wins at the end of the year, which you reflect on come finals time, potentially, are the ones where you go, well, they were the ones during the year that really got us here to that point and, and gave us this opportunity. So I think Crawford will be really satisfied with their uh, first couple Weeks. What do you reckon the winners today, uh, yesterday, uh, Matt? Uh, are they the sort of benchmark side? In terms of, oh, I, I think definitely East Ring and Murubaka. I think there's a fair. I, I, I had Beacon, a fair way I had Beaconsfield third. Um, so I think, and, and behind those two, I now I would now readjust that again. But they've played you know, some candy sides. We'll see how it all pans out. I think East Ring and Murubaka are, are probably. A step above the rest, and then it looks like Croydon, and and the Monty South and Montrose are the next rung. You know, Lourdes have improved. I think Upper Gully are way off the pace, unfortunately. Like like I said, they've played the two sides that they would have going into the season thought these are the two games we can win, and they've been beaten by ten goals both times. That's a real danger sign. Um, 
you know, and and you know, and like like Ryan was saying, getting a win early can do wonders for your season. Lillardo now have they can breathe a sigh of relief. They've got a win, you know, and and they've got that. It was a danger game because they were playing that upper gully outfit. Um, yeah, I, I think it's East Ringer and Murabak from here. But like you said on the top of the show, Gav, it's only round two, so mm-hmm. so maybe in a couple of weeks we can we can sit down and look at the ladder as they take shape. Uh, speaking of being zero and two, though, the basin. Uh, we watched them last week, Ryan, and we were impressed by them despite their loss. They've gone down again to Heathmont. That's a big win for Heathmont. They had a lot of scoring shots, 22 scoring shots to 12. They won by 15 points. Uh, Trey Baroni kicked two goals. James Bippengale, who's the recruit from Serpentine, kicked two. And then there were singles elsewhere. Jackson Drake kicked three for the Basin. Um, yeah, the Basin, again, they've, they've had a hard start to the season. So, again, it's not panic stations and no one's riding them off, but you're owing too. So, all of a sudden, there's a bit of pressure on, especially with sides like Templestone and yep. East Burwood and Baroni are all improving, meaning that, you know, top five isn't just locked away. And we said, uh, I think, yesterday that either either way, both sides have got a tough opponent next week. Keith have got ring with the Basin, got Baroni. So, you, you're obviously going to be challenged there and... It's a potential of a, a potential chance of going zero and three, which is the last thing they would have wanted, especially after a five and zero start last year that really created the momentum. But it, it's, it's hard to panic too much about him. I think uh, it's, it's good to see Nick Hallow was back in the best. I thought he was a bit a bit quieter when we watched him against Ringwood. Um, obviously, they didn't, they weren't able to find too many goal kickers. Drake kicked three, Lynch two, so that they'd, they'd like to see more of a. More of a mix and, and more of a goals. Only six of the game, so that's a bit disappointing. But uh, credit to Heathmont. They obviously they had a lot of the scoring play, seven goals, fifteen, and and looked the better side. Yeah, and after the disappointment of, of the first week, yeah, they, they'd be happy to get on the board and uh, particularly at home, Matt, too, because we spoke about it on the preview. You know, the importance of winning at home, and uh, you know, and I think that's the, the key, isn't it? I mean, you go back after a disappointing, you know, start to the season, you win that, and then you win that all important home game. You get yourself up and running, and uh, give yourself a chance just to to reflect and uh, and keep moving forward. But I think that the Jets would be uh, pretty happy with their work yesterday. Can I, I'll just change it up a little bit with the base, and uh, I know they've had their two biggest grudge matches for the year back to back. That's one thing; they've been competitive, but being competitive and only having eleven and twelve scoring mm. shots in the first two weeks. Yesterday's more of a worry that last week, because of the rain, you sort of you, and we were there. They had the dominance of yeah. the territory. Yesterday's the worry: twenty-two shots to twelve on a pitch-perfect day for football. Like yeah. you, if you're not kicking. 60, 70, well, if you're not kicking 75 plus yesterday, you'd never kick well, it. We thought it was going to be a shootout, didn't we? Uh, talking the preview, we thought it could well, be yeah, definitely. that sort of contest. Maybe both sides, but both sides played that pressure game. I say it with mm. like disdain. <laughs> Richmond bloody ported <laughs> in with their win, and now everyone talks about pressure. No one, no one scores from the back half anymore, Gav. You know, we want people to kick goals. That's yeah. why Ben Wise is good to have on. They scored 100 points. I think both sides are so obsessed with that that maybe they, you know, and then, like, I don't know. Is there, a, you saw it live. Um, is there a worry with Basin's systems and game plan no, that they're not getting numbers no, not forward yeah. enough of the, yet? Or? No, I think that I think that they were set up well behind the ball. They had the territory. I think maybe it's a bit crowded now. Like last year, they only had Drake as a key forward. They've added Rennie, um, and then you've got Connor Edwards is another one. Rennie didn't kick any goals. We got them the best. Um, I don't know. They probably just, they named like two or three players that have come in are proper like key players. So as we've said with a lot of clubs, when you, when you add in a couple of key players, sometimes they can take two or three weeks to just figure out how everyone else works around them. Um, so maybe they just need a game against one of the lower ranked sides where they can yeah. where they can get on a bit of a roll and 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 get some synergy together. Um, I would I like I said I'm not worried about them, but 
yeah, as you said, they've played some two grudge matches, but disappointing that they haven't been able to kick more than 12 goals in two weeks. Um, you know, conditions held them back last week, but but yesterday was definitely a game for, for goals. And, and South Belgrave, they've done it again. They look uh, pretty dangerous. I think everyone thinks they're going to win the Premiership, or are they Premiership favourites? And, and so far, so good. Um, they, they beat Heathmont pretty handily last week, and they put Knox to the sword. Knox kicked straight, which, which kept it under 50 points. They lost by 43, Knox in the end. Uh, 106-63, but 10 goals three. So Knox, Knox had half the scoring shots and managed to convert. Tim Smith kicked seven. Uh, he's pretty good at footy. Um, <laughs> Caden Black and, and Philip Costa are in the best again, so some consistency there. Liam Kidd didn't play, so that's a good sign for South Belgrave. Not that he's out, but that they can win big without him. Um, and for Knox, a bit of an improved effort spider after they went down to East Burwood last week with some, some players like Hall and Anderson stepping up into the best players, but still look like they're, they're a bit bit away off if, if they're going to have to rely on kicking at almost 100%. Yeah, exactly. And I think, look, I mean, having Grease back in the team would have uh, probably been a, a, you know, a positive for them. Uh, look, they had a couple of players out, but uh, look, their performance last week was uh, was really poor. A little bit of an improvement yesterday, They've, but they, it's just the inability to keep the ball in inside 50 when it goes uh, goes in, and uh, the, the ball just comes out on a, too much of a regular basis for them. It's been a bit of an issue. And uh, just that I suppose that area of ruck, I'm really concerned about it. You know, you lose your key ruckman over summer, goes to another club in Beach. Um, yeah, you bring on a, you bring in a younger ruckman. Um, he just uh, Woodard, I think he just yeah, Woodward, 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 Woodward. He got him the best players. It's an improvement from last week because I thought last week he was really poor. Uh, he was you know considerably inches taller than his opponent, and really didn't show anything for my liking. So look, but that's a good. Step in the right direction yeah. for him. I'm sure their coaching staff have had words with him. Brendan Whitecross will definitely encourage him, and that's what you've got to do with young players because players do take time to develop. We understand that, but yeah, you know, that's a learning process for them. But look, as we know, uh, they played a superior team in South Belgrave. But Knox, um, I'm sure there's a couple of wins uh, potentially around the corner when they play a couple of the teams around about the same ability, potentially, you know, Mulgrave and uh, and Oakley. Big chance for him next week. They've got Oakley. Well, so that's, that's uh, a nice little segue, Ryan and Spidey. If you, <laughs> there, you two could take over. The, the Oakley district, it's going to be a long year by the looks of it. And we don't like to begrudge sides, but it, we're already up a gully in Oakley. I guess Oakley haven't played anyone around them yet to really see if they can pinch wins. That's the difference between them and Upper Gully. Upper Gully have played two teams around them or, or predicted to be around them. Oakley district have played Templestowe, who we knew were going to improve, and then Baronia, who are always, you know, even when they're at their lowest ebb, they're still a good, good club, a good side. Um, one thing though, Ryan, you're a Baroni. Baroni won yep. by 100, 128 points, but they were up by, what was it, 108 to 22 at, yeah. at half time. And then Matt Clark just said, we'll, we'll just take the foot off the gas. They do that in Italian soccer, it is because it's considered in Italian culture. You don't want to beat a team by too many, it's disrespectful. So maybe Matt Clark's a big fan of Serie A. <laughs> well, from all reports, they, they should have won by a lot more. They said that people, a few people watching the game looked like they were going to win by about 40 goals um, at half time. But I don't think they purposely put the. The foot off the pedal sort of just fizzled out, especially in that third quarter. I think there was only two goals in uh, kick there, but I mean, from there, from everything that I've heard from reports, it's 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 more worries about Oakley rather mm. than uh, Baroni's. But obviously, they Baroni were very good, and there were there, good there were worries about Oakley before the season started. And so I, everyone, I think, it's just confirmed it for everyone. Yeah. Well, I think it's decision making or what division they, they were going to play in. Were they going in a division that was beyond their capability, or were they going to go into a division potentially where they were probably going to be uh, maybe uh, very competitive and maybe and 
where they give themselves a chance of winning a premiership straight up. They've taken the other option to you know, challenge themselves. They're, they're in a division. They're going to have a go at it. And if it doesn't work out, well, time will tell. And they go back. They reassess. The, o- the only worry for me is that I really, I really hope they don't just continue to get beaten by this much because it'll be hard for player retention. So that's why I don't know who Oakley District. I just say they've got Knox. They've got Knox. That's a massive week. game for both. Obviously, Knox need to get a win themselves. But it must be a depth issue too. They but but, it, but Oakley District need like they need they need to like that's big games for them against Mulgrave and Knox and, and sides like that because that, if they go through a year just getting beaten like this, Gav, mm. I know they'll go back to a division where they'll be more competitive. But yeah. a lot of those players might not want to. Go uh, around. They might have sold him a two, three-year package. Yeah, and I don't actually think it was the smartest move they make because there's no certainty that they were going to be at any standard yeah. in Division 3 to compete for a premiership. So yeah, at least they, year they've got an excuse the, to well, an Next year, they've seen what the the um, Eastern Football Netball League is. And then they, if they're going back to third division next year, just say hypothetically, then they're in there. But yeah. if they're in third division and not winning games, I think they just wanted to be in the high division and they could stay oh, up. They've That's got a great. You've got but a there's no guarantee they win a premiership and come up to division two. So you might as well take the ground when you can get it. If if the if the board no, here, you've swung me, Gav. You've swung me. Yep, you take what you're given, really, if you can get it. So you Absolutely. put in a claim, and at least if next year they're in division three, there's no guarantee they win a premiership well, this year. So yeah, and well, that thing they. They do need to start competing well against the sides around them, the Noxes, the, um, Mulgraves. the Mulgraves, because also their reserves, um, despite you talk about depth, I think their reserves got done by a similar Bronies reserves well. are, are Yeah, and Bronies reserves have, have won a couple of flags in the last few years. So obviously there's, there's that, but you, you don't want... I mean, you see with so many sides in local footy that players just drop off when they don't win. So hopefully for their sake, they can at least keep but a core group with them. The one thing is, and we talk about Berwick, Beaconsfield, they're in Oakley. They don't have a neighbour taking their players. So they can go as far um, south and closer to the city and go, where Oakley? Um, don't go to Doncaster. So they've actually got a little bit of a niche that they can yeah, create. Yeah, I think you're right. They, they took the chance that if they do stay up, they're in Division 2. And now, and if they do go down, which it looks like they might after two weeks, they've, they've got a gauge on where they need to be, what they need to do to, to match it. And then, like you said, they've, you know, they're, they're in the Eastern League and they can maybe poach a couple of cases. So it'll be interesting yep. to see. Hopefully, for their sake, they've taken the forward thinking that, that you've got, Gavin. Yep. And if clubs are looking for you to be their list manager, <laughs> yes. what is your contact details? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go through you. <laughs> so I'll let them call you first and you can uh, filter them back to me. But uh, just one comment. I'll, I'll be interested into checking the... Uh, the heritage of Matt Clark and his Italian roots, and uh, to see. Um, oh, Ed, I'm, I'm sure Clark he'd be listening, right? Yeah, he, I, I, he looks like a Roma fan to me. He's a big Roma fan. Oh, uh, that sounds like a sledge. <laughs> we'll move on to um, a side that you know have taken the ground. You speak about taking ground when it's offered to you, Gav. East Bill would have done that, obviously controversially, uh, are rising through the divisions without winning a premiership, but they're doing well. They're two and O Spider, and we'll, we'll we'll go on mute for a couple of minutes, and you can sort of talk us through <laughs> it because um, I, I had. Templestowe winning this one. I thought Templestowe would be too good on the outside. I thought they'd have too many skillful players, but East Bell would uh, batted them from, from just 
start to finish. Yeah, right from the outset. I mean, basically, it was a it was a real strong four quarter performance. I mean, we spoke about it on uh, Friday in the preview regarding Eastbourne's second half, uh, yeah, took, taking the foot off the pedal against Knox, but that wasn't the case uh, in this game against Templestowe. Right from you know the, the start of the game, Eastbourne basically dictated the play, and I just felt their you know, ferociousness around the ball, contest and clearance and stoppage work was really uh, one to really keep a real eye on throughout the course of the game. They were on top right from you know the, the first bounce, really. And, and I think just that ability to go inside their forward line, um, have that good, you know, different variety. We, it's not you know, it's not the most, um, you know, it's not a tall forward line. It's got a good bit of chemistry about it. It's got a bit of flexibility. Um, there's a couple of different players. Uh, Spateri come in for his first game, kick three goals. He's a crafty type of player and one to watch in the in the future. But also uh, a guy like Kempton, who was giving away inches last week in the ruck, once again played another outstanding game. And, and, and he's still... Still giving away those inches against uh, you know players taller than him, and defensively we talk about it again. Uh, Eddie Rixton, you know, going up against Cameron Cloak, keeping him to one goal. Um, Cloak goes off the ground with a hamstring uh, after half time, uh, but you know. Continues on uh, you know, that defensive mindset and uh, you know, that intercepting uh, as we know he does. So, look, I think um, from East Bird's point of view, they'd be delighted to get off the season to a, you know, two wins in a row. And I think um, you know it's a, been a great test for them. But I really want to talk about Templestone in a sense that they had that big win last week, but to serve that up yesterday on your home ground against a team that's come up at division and and, uh, and won the previous week as well, I thought that was really poor performance from a, a team that has indicated that we're going to go and we're going to get there. We've got all these players. We're, we've loaded up in, the, in a salary cap point situation. We think we can be a contender. And to serve that up yeah, uh, was very poor, I thought. They just really didn't come with any effort or any attitude and really had any control of, uh, of playing, really. I just I thought they've got a real improvement in them. They've got to be a bit more um, ferocious around their, around their contest work because yesterday they were, they were really beaten and, and beaten badly. Well, it's only round two, though, isn't it, Gav? It is, but um, he's got a fair point. Um, Templestowe should be um, really trying to stamp themselves on the competition with their you know, their list and, and it seems like what you said is that they need more grunt around the contest yeah, and yeah. for East Burwood to dominate them on their home track that's maybe credit to the Rams I think so, I mean we know that they've got a strong midfield and it's and an experienced one but this that highly skilled ball movement as well from the younger players really typifies what their development is across all levels of the competition I mean they've got some good up, up and coming players so I think from that point of view they really took Temple State of the Cleaners yesterday and uh, you know some clubs are going to have to watch Eastbird we're not saying they're going to win a premiership we're not saying yes, they're going to play finals but I think he's not saying it Gabby. he's wishing it competitive, um, you know, and potentially they're going to be in that mid Mid to uh, to push, you know, for a possible you know place yeah. in the finals. Uh, but uh, you know, Templestowe, we, I think we've got to watch over the next few weeks where they're going because uh, any more performances like that, then uh, you know, their season could be um, you know, a bit of a mixed one with results. I think because they they looked that looked poorer from you know, from my vantage point. Yeah, maybe it's two weeks in a row though that the opposition East Bird have played Gav have looked poor. So maybe the common denominator is East Bird. <laughs> oh yeah, that, well that's what. It, and it was lovely to get the full content. Oh, and they've made them look poor too. So you, you got you can't uh, you can't deny <laughs> didn't that. Have to, didn't even have to <laughs> bait yeah, the hook. Going to link him back in. Didn't have to bait the hook. Yeah. <laughs> now that's fantastic. We don't often, um, and it's passion versus knowledge. 
Oh, sorry, I said versus. With knowledge. Um, that's fantastic because sometimes we can just skate over these results and go, oh, that was interesting. But it's good to know that East Burwood are in a healthy place because yeah. we know the depths that they fell to. Yeah. And they've actually got players adept at this level. Um, we've got beyond their days in the lowest division. Well, I think they've regained respect. I think there was a period of time there where they, where they really lost respect. Yeah, true. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing games against Templestowe three or four years ago and they were thrashed by over 150 points and we're talking the David Calthorpe days so of coaching so mm. uh, yeah so that, that's uh, you know, to turn that around um, you know that's a credit to guys like Stewie Wind who've uh, you know, done a really fantastic job uh, over the last couple of seasons to uh, to bridge that gap and develop some players well we'll, we'll move on to, to the last game around just quickly before we go to a break Ringwood a, a gritty win over Mulgrave and I think the, the confidence need to go to Mulgrave Zach Allen a kick four so good to have him back in the lineup for Ringwood and, and was best on ground, and Tim Jones was up there as well. He had poise and class off that back flank. Uh, Dean C. Coolis and Adam Booth, um, you know, what are they, you know, been around their champions of that Mulgrave Football Club uh, in the yeah. one, two, and the best. Uh, but Mulgrave matched them all day, so they won the 19s, won the reserves. Mulgrave almost went the clean sweep out at Jubilee Park. They were down at every change, but by less than a goal each time, um, and then in the end went down by 10 points. So, Really positive signs for Mulgrave, I think, out of that one. Ringwood are just going to keep... I think Ringwood are going to do that all year, Gavin. I don't think they're yeah. going to belt anyone this year, but they're going to keep they winning. They They'll find a way. They don't have goal kickers? No. So they can't... They haven't kicked over 60 points in a... I don't know. It's only, it's only two, two games. games. <laughs> it's only yeah, two yeah, games. But yeah, again, yesterday, you would have thought that was a big... Um, I thought that was a big chance yesterday against Mulgrave on their home deck. Perfect day for footy. That, that Maybe they would pile on the scores, but they didn't. So that's one, a credit to Mulgrave, and two, I think that's what we're going to see from Ringwood. They know that they don't have that firepower this year. They're going to shut sides down. So it be interesting to see where the, where the Redbacks end up, but a, a good a good performance from Mulgrave after a disappointing start last week against Baronia. It'll yeah, be interesting to see for them too. after I mean, they go. You know, coming up for Mulgrave. So I think it's a, it's a good opportunity for them over the next weeks to continue to build and you know get some positivity around their club as well. Absolutely. Going to go to a break here on the Monday Recovery when we come back to Division 3 and Division 4. And uh, O'Regan probably just outside his distance, although he's made a fool of me there. Beautiful kick. What a season he's had, Mark O'Regan. He puts through. Okay, bursting through. Burns off one, kicks around the corner. He's oh! the goal. Tobin Brothers goal of the day. Say the former Temple State man gets plenty of height on the kick. I think he's off target though. In fact, he's out of bounds. He's missed everything completely. And that's yeah. a wasted opportunity. Hard kick for a left footer on the left hand side. That just can't get the angle of the dangle right. <laughs> <laughs> the angle of the dangle. Inventing words today, uh, Brett. Angle of the dangle right. Angle of the dangle right. Tangle of the dangle, right. Tangle of the dangle, right. Tangle of the dangle, right. <laughs> the angle of the dangle. <laughs> Inventing words today, uh, Brash. Uh, Wayne Brasher, what, what a star. Absolute star, isn't he, Gav? I think uh, Ed Sheeran might be listening to this and might be, be a hit come out of angle, this. Angle of Zangle. He <laughs> would write a song be, like that, would That'd be a great he? track. Absolutely. Uh, well, before we start uh, producing songs for Ed Sheeran, let's let's move on to Division 3 now. We'll start out of the Cougars. It's a cold stream out there, uh, and they uh, welcomed Warrandyte, and, and the blood, the blood's just... The whole game, the, okay, it, you look at it on paper, Gavin, you look at those scores at each break, and it looks like each time that Warrandyte were about to just take the game away from them, show their class, pull away from the challenger, but they 
never did. And in the end, Coldstream piled it on in the, in the second half, really. They had a lot more scoring shots in the last quarter. 3-4 to 2-2. So 9-15 played 7-11. So tough kicking conditions apparently out of Coldstream. Maybe there was a big breeze. Um, you know, four goals to Mitchell Edmonds, who, who filled a nice void. And then Nick Prevalenzo, just the two for Warren Knight, the only multiple goal kickers. Sam Fig and Jordan Powell, the best players for their respective sides. So Coldy, upper division and making an immediate impact. Do you, have they changed their uh, forward makeup uh, with uh, Edmonds versus Fritch in the so goal look square? Like Fritch was named centre-half forward and he was named in the best players. So he's obviously had an impact on the game, just kicked the one goal. Um, it, Lachlan Koga wasn't named, so I don't know whether he's injured. So they've got... Yeah, that, that, they've lost a couple of players, Coldy, if anything. They've just sort of held their list. Uh, mm. So maybe it was a different forward structure. Um, I'll be interested to see how much the, the playing surface had a... Um, had had a um, effect on the game, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, yeah. obviously Warrandyte's ground is Ryan, not the not the biggest ones. Um, but you, if you look at it the other way around, you know, Coldstream's massive. But you would have thought Warrandyte have the leg speed to and and ability to adapt to it. Yeah, I think so. And I think the only one they probably struggled at East Burwood's ground. That's maybe a bigger ground last year. I think they got done uh, quite heavily last year. But I, they've got the class to to. Uh, to beat to beat a cold stream, I think still. But Phillips wasn't able to have any sort of impact. And then you look on the other end where Edmonds can kick four, and that's that's probably a difference in the end with only a couple goal game. But um, I think that's credit to cold stream. I think they're going to be a much better side at home yeah. than when they travel and away. A bit like Donny East, who in the Premier Division spider. When we talk about they seem to yeah. uh, they seem to test sides at home on a different ground. Maybe do you think Coldy will, will do that? Because obviously last year they, they were, no one was close to them. So this year will be different. But like I said, it's not like they've taken on middle of the road last year and beaten them. They've taken on the minor Premier and, and knocked them off. Exactly. Yeah. Look, I think at home you always think that a team like Coldstream are, are probably a, you know, a four, five, six, seven potentially better better side. And uh, I think look, uh, we, we spoke about it with Warren Dyke. They had some ins and outs that we looked at. Oh, that, it seems a lot of change, but we thought the depth was going to be able to cover those ins and outs. But it just maybe it just uh, disjointed the team a little bit. Maybe it had a little bit of an effect on uh, on what they did uh, pr- previous week. But uh, you got to hand it to Coldstream the way that they've gone about their um, their off season, their their attitude coming up a, another division. Uh, you know. They've been an impressive team for a couple of years. Um, They're pretty bullish, Spider. A couple of people from Coldstream have told me that they they are at, they think they'll absolutely make finals. Yeah, so it's the top four. They are very confident they'll make finals. There's confidence about them, doesn't it? And I, I think uh, you know if they can win all those games at home and uh, pinch a couple away, well, they're, they're right on the, you know, the the edge of that uh, finals. Yeah, I get. If it was the top five, I, I would I would give them better chances. Go a top four, like Division Three. It's going to be a hotly contested one. You know, Whitehorse will come to the four. Waverley Blues will be. A around the mark. Warrandolt will definitely be around the mark and, and Donvale. So there's going to be a lot of sides trying to push in there. But a, a really strong start for Coldy and, and, uh, and it'll be an interesting space to watch in the next couple of weeks how they fare. Obviously, they won't play this weekend, only, only the two games coming up. But that Anzac round, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, level of consistency for them is, uh, is most important, I think. Absolutely. And speaking of consistency, Fair Park. They're as consistent as it can get, Gav. 2-0. and o. You know, we speak about sides Fantastic. possibly pushing finals. They're top of the ladder of the lines after many, including yours truly, had them bottom. And again, I'm, I'm Ryan, I can only stick to my guns for so long. I'm going to continue to say I still think they will be down the bottom, yep. but so far, so good for Fair Park. Uh, Good goal-kicking won them the game. They were up 10-5 to 3-10 at half-time. Uh, they kicked six straight in the first quarter to 1-7. So uh, Glenway, that's twice, but they've, they just can't really get anything going. They came home hard with four goals to three in the last quarter, but Fair Park hold on by a goal. 
twice they've beaten Glen Waverley across the road from the Ray Bear Memorial Studio where we sit currently. Um, so last year, Fair Park's only win came against Glen Waverley. Goal kickers, Tyron Fabrizio, five. He might, Matt Clark would like him, get him down there playing <laughs> a striker at Bronia. Um, and, and then, then goals were shared around. Ben Gillen kicked two, so followed on from his good work last week. Evan Pickering, three for Glen Waverley. The best players, James Walden and Brad Need. So consistency there from those two players. Need um, is, is good in defence. And James Walden's from Officer. Um, he's, he's slightly undersized as a key defender, but he's a very good player, strong as an ox. So good to see him in the best players. And then Max Holmes on the booth for Glen Waverley was in their best. It's great for Fair Park. Yeah. It, it is spectacular for them to get those two wins after you know 2020. They had all the momentum, didn't get to play. 2021 was was what it was. To be two and zero, albeit against two sides that were the two games that were winnable for them to start the year, they've and they've done it. Uh, sorry, no, Fentry Gully was an impressive win, but this one was probably one they would have penciled in as a chance to win. For Glen Waverley, though, yeah. this is they've played scores with. This is what I was meant to talk. This is what I meant. They played scores with Fair Park. Two games where they would have thought we should be two and zero if yeah. they're as good as they expect to be. And now they're 0-2, and, and, and I know they had 30 shots on goal, but they're staring down the barrel. Well, I think the game was won and lost in the first quarter. It must have been demoralising for the Hawks to look at the scoreboard and potentially, I'm not saying they... They might have thought they should have been close to in front well, when they uh, kicked 1-7 versus 6 The thing is at Fair straight. Park as well, because of Fair Park so small, it's actually hard to have a difficult shot at goal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, there's not a deep pocket where you can make, you know, like we look at yesterday at Churnside, is this, there was a lot of good goals kicked from set shot. But, like, if you're playing at a coldie, you can be stuck in the pocket 35 out on an incredible angle at Fair Park. There's no pocket to get no. stuck at. If you're having a shot for goal, you're <laughs> yeah. usually from 20 out directly in front or give or take. So to kick 1-7, yeah. that is even more disappointing, Gab. Yeah, it's a, I don't want to... Uh say that Glenn Waverley thought they might have been on top, but at half-time to be 37 points behind kicking 310, they've shot themselves in the foot, they've come good all too late. And as you can see, in, in any level, obviously, the dogs last night, as yes. you know, yes. it, bad kicking is <laughs> contagious. As soon as, you, as soon as yeah. one player misses a couple, you know, the set shots come and they... It starts nerves nerves coming because the pressure is on to start kicking them, and mm. you know it's it's one of the easiest skills in the game to be able to just be able to kick straight from set shots, and that's something they'll need to need to focus on. Obviously, last week they they weren't. Uh, Oh, I think last week they kicked five, bad. six, they but they, but they much, just stopped so. having shots altogether. Yeah, so they're so improved, they've improved in that regard, Spider Glenway. They're getting shots, and now they've just got to convert them. Yeah, also I think ball use too. You're talking to a few people that watched them play in schools, but they said this the, the turnovers uh, were... were really prevalent and, and again yesterday it seems like that could have been the case again didn't take their opportunities when they really counted so uh, a yeah, disappointing start for them but uh, they've just got to regroup over the next couple of weeks and uh, and get something going because uh, the season can get away from you pretty quickly if you don't turn those results around. Gav let's circle back to Fair Park Yep. Let, let's be positive now for yeah, a second. Definitely. It's a lot easier to be negative and critical when looking back on games. Fair Park win against Furniture Galley you know, in two or three weeks, we could put that down. If they if they lost their next three games, people could go. Well, the, clearly that was the you know the emotion of playing their local rival. You know, the the year off um, under lights. There were so many variables that construed it. But now after this performance, you're starting to think. Sean Stanton said he was pretty confident coming into the season, and and so far he's been vindicated. Two things I extrapolate from Glen Waverley missing is one, it's Glen Waverley, but Fair Park pressure. Yep, and being able to make a turnover into a fast break situation, maybe getting... Which is probably why they're kicking so accurate early on. They might be getting a lot of goals out the back, easy easy goals. That's what's possible, and that's good tactics and good pressure. And knowing your ground. Yeah, and uh, causing turnovers is a skill. It's a game plan. It's uh, You've got to execute. For someone to feel like under pressure when they're kicking a football, 
that's more than just presence. That's uh, general harassment and other skills of the game that are somewhat intangible to measure. And, and, and the only place we've indi- and we uh, recognise harassment as a positive is on the football field, isn't <laughs> yes. it? So, which is which is something that the we- uh, the Monday recovery Ryan is big on only on the football field. But but Gab's got a good point. For Fairbuck to be kicking so accurately, either there's blokes just having a sweet day bombing them from outside twenty five. That's the arc at Fair Park, or as Gab's saying, they're probably turning it over and just getting easy shots on goal where you're running open goal, a la you know your Richmond 2017 where they would turn it over in the fourth half. But it's also the improvement of last year where we were saying where they where their goals coming from. They weren't scoring big. They won't be able to get really over 10 goals a game. And so far they've had a, a couple of good good performances. Obviously uh, Fabrizio kicks five. Uh, he kicked a couple the week before as well. You got Gilling, McKendry, McLeod. They're, there's mm. different names that you probably didn't have last year is McKendry's the only real recognisable yeah. one isn't it Gav so, from yeah. a fair park point of view yeah, but I reckon. And, and, good to see. and Sean Stanton mentioned last week that this is the youngest fair park side he's ever coached so um, it looks like you know, for them, to a great start to the year. The battle's still on. You can't you can't rest on your laurels if you're fair park, but they've got off to an absolutely perfect start. Scoresby did get off to a good start last week, but uh, they were on the end of a Nick Murphy masterclass. So he and Harrison Giles, they kicked, I think, three apiece last week in Donvale's loss to Whitehorse. Well, this week they went a couple better. So Giles kicked five, and usually you kick five and you think, I've had a pretty good day, but Nick Murphy slotted nine. Um, showed his class. Big win for Donvale over Scoresby. So they're crashing back to earth a little bit for Scoresby Spider after last week's win, but Donvale flex their muscle after a disappointing round one loss. Yeah, absolutely. And Zach Haig making his impact in the game as well amongst the best for, for Donvo. He's a, he's a really important part of things that they do. And, you know, just that gives him that presence around the ground. And he's just, you know, such a talented player. I mean, Scoresby, look, they, they were really disappointing from all reports. They, they really just weren't in the contest you know, from from go to woe, they were really struggling to you know maintain possession of the ball. You know, was smashed at clearance, and then just when when it went down uh, into their defensive part of the ground, just had no answer for Murphy. So good uh, win for Donvale. They're uh, they got their first win. They're up and running, but uh, you know, the next few weeks are, are very big for them and, and really important you know, if they're going to make uh, an impact in the season. But I expect that uh, they'll be uh, you know pushing uh, around that mid to you know. Pushing finals, I think. I think they're a pretty good side. Donvale should definitely make finals. Yeah, I think they're a pretty good side with the squad they've yeah. got. Absolutely. Well, yeah. But that's was last week a surprise? Um, I think a little bit, but it was one of those round one ones where Whitehorse have improved and would have been, you know, raring to go, and Donvale might have been a bit off kilter. Just disappointing. So it'll be interesting. Really. To see, it'll be interesting to see when they play each other the second time round whether Donvale once the season's going and everyone's sort of mm. settled down and, and into where their, their grooves, whether Donvale were a better side. I would still back Donvale in more often than not, but I don't think it was a massive surprise. And, you know, if we look back to this week, yesterday, where Whitehorse tested Waverley Blues. So mm. clearly Whitehorse are, are definitely not a flash in the pan, you know. So they kick, usually you kick 14-6-9 and you've had a pretty good day. They went down by 32 points. We do know the Waverley Blues like to score. They're an exciting team to watch. Matt Perry kicked six on return. Tom Langford kicked four. And then Giorgio Paparonis kicked five for Whitehorse. So some big bags out there at Mount Waverley Reserve. So an exciting game of footy. And I guess both sides would come away from that feeling pretty bullish. Waverley Blues have got a, got a win under their belt and kicked over 100 points. And Whitehorse have you know played a good game of footy against a, a premiership contender. 
Yeah, probably on a different sort of shape ground than they're used to. Uh, a little bit bigger down at uh, Waver to what they're accustomed to at Spring. Have that flat wing like White yeah. Horse has as well. Yeah, so look, I think Waverley always very hard to beat at home. Uh, White Horse, they put up a good effort, but uh, I think in the end, class prevailed, and uh, we know what Waverley uh, are feeling. They feel like they can have a big impact in this season. I mean, they took it right to the pointy end last uh, last week against Warrandyte, and you just get a feeling that, uh, you know, at the end of the season, they're going to be right there, thereabouts, uh, you know, pushing for a finals berth. Very impressive, White Horse. Oh, uh, yeah, go I. Certainly didn't expect them to have such a, a strong start to the season, and obviously last year it was all it was all Patrick century uh, centric. They seemed to be all their scores seemed to come from there if they were going to win. So when you've got other players kicking multiple goal kick uh, multiple goals in in both their games, and to be competitive against a Waverley Blues outfit who is uh, a, a real chance for a, pre- a premiership this year shows the improvement they've made over the off season with the the boys that they've been able to bring to the club and. Uh, uh, they're pretty close, aren't they, Gav? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they'll take a lot of confidence out of that. They were, they were in step for most of the game. Good third quarter. But Waverley Blues, they just keep scoring. Uh, they, they get inside 50s and they're converting at a natural rate as well. To have 32 shots, that's abnormal. Um, I'm going to make another football European football reference. So last year I wrote that... So Kevin Keegan coached Newcastle United in the 90s and 2000s and they were known as the entertainers. Yeah. You score four, we'll score five. That was the mantra. Waving Blues have got that a bit about them. Yeah. There. Like, n- not many coaches in the cult would be happy conceding 90 points, but I don't think it bothers Tom Langford as much as it bothers other coaches. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is uh, I think they know they'll get a look at the goals whenever. So, uh, it's interesting. We always talk about defence wins premierships. I'm not sure, actually. I reckon if you can kick a goal when you're under pressure, I think defence gets you there, and then you've got to you got to score yeah. Yeah. because because when you transition. when when you get to finals, everyone's going to have a good defence. So there's no point, like uh, you know. And if you think about guys who win medals, you know, it, it's usually a key forward kicking a bag on grand final day or a midfielder mm. kicking two or three. And and I think having a good defence is a good way to build a side from the bottom up. But once you get to contending, you need to be able to score. That's that's the difference, isn't it, between mm. some sides. You know, we've looked at it over over years. You can look at teams that have made finals and then just sort of bottom out. You know, maybe Roville in Premier Division, they've, they've got a couple of double chances and never really never really cracked it and were probably a, a side that was maybe a tiny bit more defensively organised. And as you flow through the divisions, obviously Ring would have never quite cracked it. And obviously they've put up some busy scores before, but they're very system-based, mm. you know, keep teams locked down. Um, I just think I think you're right to a point where defence can get you there, but to win it, you need to be able to kick a big score, and Wavy Blues can definitely do that, Spider. Yeah, they they can, and they they just have so much flexibility. They're not one dimensional, and that's really important. Yeah, you know, they they have other players that can step up and kick goals when they need it. I think their ball transition is also very important. I saw them play a couple of times last season, and and I just felt that the way they moved the ball, they were doing it as well as anyone going around, and uh, they just do it with such um, with such ease and precision. And I think that's something that uh, do they favour a halfback switch or? How how do you see it? I, I feel like when the, when they get on the end of that the lateral kick and that forty five, they really back themselves in to move the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they take a little bit of risk. There's a little bit of flair about it, but they just do it so quickly and the, and abruptly. They just 
if you turn the ball over, they will uh, they will you know swing that ball back really quickly and punish you on the scoreboard. And uh, I think and, and catch you out of position. And I think that's a real, um, I think that's a real asset to their game. And uh, midfield goal kickers. Yeah, and they have midfield goal kickers. And uh, you, know, you think of teams like uh, you can even put the the Bulldogs into that in the AFL context. They have a lot of in the past. They've had a lot of guys coming through that. But Waverley Blues, they just seem to be able to have that midfield guys that can run through there, get goals, but also feed off as well. And I think that's what makes them such a good side. So, so how do you how do you match up against them? Because if if you're going to in this way of a bit of a shootout, I don't think you're going to win. I think that's you know, and obviously Tom Langford's not going to be too concerned about that when you look at the four line when you've got someone like Perry who can kick six, seven goals a game. How do you play them? Do you well? It's contested footy. On? Stoppage control. I think you'd probably slow the game down and try to win, um, get it into clearance wins so that you're not giving the ball back to them also. And you might want to not hit, not, might not want to play the corridor as much yeah. or at least control the corridor with numbers, make it hard for them to transition, to get that 45, put pressure on the 45 kick. That's goal, that's, that causes turnover goals and that's probably where Waverley Blues, if you're saying that they might bite off more than they can chew sometimes. That's probably why they get exposed on the back. Well, because if you, the earlier you come into the corridor, the more risk there is that if you do turn over, the opposition will score. So, And when we get to Division 4, which we'll go to now, perfect segue point, Jens. Churnside, Dave Newlands talked about biting off the 45. They love biting off the 45. But it's knowing when to do it against certain teams. So when, when, when you're all over a team and, you know, it's on, take it as early as you can, get it in the corridor early. But sometimes if you're playing against a better side, you might wait a little bit later um, mm. to bite off the 45 and go into the corridor. Because at least if you turn it over at centre-half forward, you can set up, or there's more, at least more ground for the opposition to cover. If you turn it over at centre-half back, biting it off, that's where it's pretty much an easy goal. So, mm. And Churnside Park yesterday, Ryan, I don't think the biting off of the 45 was... Um, they did it a few times. The yeah. foot skills for both sides really disappointed me. You know, it was a it was a thrilling game. You know, in the end, Surrey Park kicked five goals in the last to bring it back to three points before um, that sealer from Daniel McGee who kicked four. Um, but both sides at times had plenty of the ball and just butchered it by foot. And really, it wasn't until the second half that they figured out that well, if the wind's blowing to the right forward pocket, let's open the game up and come around the left. It it, it was frustrating for the two of us because we had a lot of small talk to make in the first half. Well, that was the interesting, especially in the second quarter when Surrey Park both or both sides had momentum early on in the uh, they had patches and they just they just didn't take the game on. They continued to play on that far side, the scoreboard side, and they it was just going back and forth. And there was no that's why there was such low scoring in the second in the first half. But you're right in the second half it did open it up, and I think partly could be due to both sides had a, a few injuries, so they were uh, down some numbers on the bench. And I think. We, we well, saw Surrey Park, Park started the last quarter with one on the bench and Chernside finished it with one on yeah, the bench. Yeah, so I think that was certainly part of the reason that it did open up. But you did see Chernside Park you know, move, move to the other, other side of the field, use the corridor a bit more and start looking for targets. And, and Daniel Badome's obviously such a massive figure up there. And I think Surrey Park were maybe almost too focused on it. And it's hard to, hard to say because... He, if, you, if you're not, he, he can kick a real bag so on you. So they're overwhelmed. Well, yeah, he, I think he had about two or three players. I think Surrey Park, it's like Surrey Park across the whole ground only had one player that was taller than someone. Yeah. Like Callum Turnus, their ruckman, was probably the only player on the ground that could 
actually say he was taller than his opponent. And Grattan Stevens has obviously got a great leap. And then when Puckering came on, he matched him for Everywhere else, Chancellor Park they had all the height point. advantage. So, like, Riley Tempany would be, what, our height, Ryan? Maybe even shorter. He looks shorter standing next to Daniel yeah. Benome. But let's say he's six foot. He was taking on Daniel Benome, Gaff, who hasn't changed a bit, mind you. No. But he's, what, six solid. foot three and, and, and a solid man. Tempany did really well in some contests, but he gave away... So, Benome's second goal, he gave away a free kick because he just he grappled and, like, he yeah. trying to get to the ball over the shoulder. And then a couple other goals. So, McGee got a crumbing goal, and then there was one later on as well. Might have been Clavant crumbing as well, where Benome just created a contest because even though he had two on him he was never going to lose it because they're both six foot it was like little dwarves trying to reach for you know or when little kids and dad's just holding the toy just above their head um (laughs) so they did really well given they were so undersized sorry park defenders but that was the the difference that churnside had wasn't it right under pressure if we kick it long dead but don't we know it's going to hit the ground whereas sometimes sorry park they just didn't have a marking tool that's right and all all he had to do was just make a contest contest because at the ground level Chernobyl Park we're going to have the numbers there and I think part of that may have been the difference in the end and I think um, I'm not too concerned about Surrey Park they're obviously going to be a contender this year but um, players like Gale and Kennedy they took them probably later in the game to really get any sort of involvement and that's uh, probably hurt them in the end. Where's their improvement got to come from, Ryan? I mean, what do they have to do to ensure that they are a team that can contend? Is there, is there an area of their game that probably and potentially is still letting them down? Um, it's, it's hard to say because they, they've certainly lost a lot of players over the off-season due to retirement. And obviously, as Matt said, they're, they're not a tall side. So, you know, when you, you play against Churnside Park and you've got... On a skinny the, ground too, Churnside. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a ground where... Like, it's... It's a pretty good size ground, but it's not wide, so you can't no. really spread on teams. So I think Surrey Park will like to get on their home track and even a kill scythe where they can spread wide and, and use leg speed. Them on speed um, yeah. Whereas when they play a Sylvan or a Forest Hill away, they'll be danger games because it'll be compact again. And they didn't really have any inside bulls. Again, they did well, but none of their players you would consider in the midfield an inside sort of bull no. prototype, would you? Like no, Burrell no. and Gale did well, but if they come up against the likes of a Warren Schmidt or even Aaron Burt yesterday and Slattery and, and, and so on, I think, I think I'd back those guys in over the Surrey Park midfield at the moment. But they will have a, a sort of the bigger grounds and finals, won't they? Yeah, it depends on where the finals are named. But they'll, oh, they'll definitely get to finals. And then, yeah, again, they'll be hoping that it's at an East Build yeah. or a Ringwood rather than a Mitchum. Well, describe to me the last quarter and... Surrey Park comeback. Did it get close yeah, as a so, result? So we, well, we, we sort of thought that if Surrey Park can get the first two, there'd be a bit of pressure on Churnside, and they came out pretty much first five minutes. I think uh, Hamish Barrow kicked the first one, or, or, or there was a, a goal somewhere else. I'm just looking at the goal kick. Oh, Daniel Smart kicked a goal, and then Burrell got another one almost two minutes later, and we was, then they brought it back. Churnside Park got one against the flow of play, a nice Sam King left foot snap, nice little bender. So he kicked that goal. And then you thought, oh, it's back out again to three goals. They'll be a bit deflated. And then they got a couple other goals through, um, you know, Fallahi got a nice handball over the top to Laciana. Molnar got a free kick and kicked a goal. Um, And then did Oberu get one in that last quarter as well? Uh, His was earlier on. I think his was earlier on. But, yeah, and they brought it back, brought it back, got it to three points. Uh, And then once it was at three points, the game really headed up for probably three or four minutes. They had a couple of opportunities to sort of break forward. And, you know, Jimmy Wells, Matt King across back, the halfback flank for Churnside and Robert John stood up in those last minutes, took a few intercept marks, and then uh, we put on social media on Instagram the, the, the sealer, Daniel McGee. There was a bit of a cheeky throw from um, Charlie Clavant, um, but, you know, knew the umpire was blindsided, so a little rugby pass out the right side. Jimmy Wells ran down, got to kick the goal, and, and McGee kicked, kicked a nice one. So 
yeah, I think it was in the end. The last quarter came to life. It was absolutely, like, it was it was a really enthralling contest. Like I said, the skill level could be improved on, but in terms of in, endeavour, intensity, and, and in the end, excitement, it had it all. And that's probably the big thing about Chanzo Park, just the fact that Surrey Park, with the momentum, got it to within a goal, and it sort of, you know, momentum's a funny thing. It looked, at that stage, it looked like Surrey Park would go forward and kick another one, but their back line held up all day, mm-hmm. and they were able to just hold steady in the last three or four minutes and get one of their own and uh, ice the game. What do you see as the future of the two sides? Because they have to go up against Sylvan as the likely can tenders, what do you see of um, sort of Surrey Park's assets to go forward and be a contender versus Churnside Park? What sort of game are they rolling with at the moment? Before the season, I would have been more bullish on Surrey Park, but after yesterday, I know they had a lot of players out, but all sides have players out at the moment. It's just the nature of the world we live in. I think Churnside Park's starting to win me over a little bit. Um, They've probably got... The thing for Surrey Park is they look like they've got a lot of youth, so it's like one of those ones, if they can just they can just get a couple of extra players to come back to be that cream on top. I think there's more upturn for them. They're in a probably a, a slightly, you know, their 19s or their junior club playing quite a high division in that Yarra Juniors, and their 19s did play Premier Division. They've got no 19s this year, but they have played Premier Division, so there's a bit of upskill there. But Chernobyl Park have got 19s and, and have a junior club with plenty of numbers. They're usually B, C grade sides, but still plenty of numbers. So, yeah, I think both sides have got the makings there, but if I think Surrey Park should be a bit more demanding right now because Chernobyl Park coming off those, what was it? They went 18-19 without a win, then 2020 didn't play footy. So for them, as much as they're talking about, you know, this is their year and so on, or, or this is a year to make a claim at it, I don't think their committee or whatever, would be, or the off-field crew would be that bothered. Would you really? Like, you, you just want to make sure you get it right. You don't yeah, want well, to... Whereas Surrey Park, on, Surrey Park are going the other way. They're going, well, we, we better make a move now because this is our time to strike yeah. or else all, all these young blokes might go, you know what? It, it's not going to happen. So I think Surrey Park have got a bit more pressure on them. Um, but both sides have got chances this year. But from all reports, Sylvan, we haven't seen them yet. And they've only played Croydon North Emlock. But from sides that play practice matches against them, um, that that have played against other sides in in that sort of division, Sylvan are, are pretty good. So I'm interested to see how those two sides go when they face them later on. And that's probably where Surrey Park may struggle against the Sylvan. That I don't know if they're going to be able to match them on a scoring scoring basis. And, I don't and know Sylvan the height. Like, they they struggle like Bedome only kicked two, but. You can't double team Kimpton and allow no. and allow Lachlan Lynch free, yeah. and you know so Sylvan and Ficarelli is down there as well. Like it, the Surrey Park defence is going to be stretched when they yeah. play Sylvan. It sounds like they've got enough of the ball in the last quarter to work with that because it, physically they might be undermanned from what you're saying, but obviously they get their hands on the ball. Oh no, yeah, like I yeah. said, it's all the makings there. That like I said, undermanned, but they, like Ryan Kennedy went around the ball later on. They've got the midfield crew, like they've got the talented players. They 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 need a couple more key position players like a bit of height yep. and they need players like Parker Fox and I know Kent where they got his hands on the footy a lot of it you know Parker Fox has got that x ray he's got a bit of speed Fella here they keep him really deep forward maybe you'd like to see him higher up the ground and use his speed and, and craft so they've got those x-factor players but Parker Fox didn't really get enough of the footy like if he, he's played a ball and like he's been mm. I don't know if he played in his senior games but he's been around ball and around Roddy Ede and, and so on if he just looked like he was a bit like lackadaisical He's one of those players, if, if he gets 15 touches, he could turn a game, but he only yeah. had about six. Mm. Um, so, look, for a round two game, you know, sometimes people go, why do you go cover Division 4? Well, yesterday was a great day. We thank Churnside for their hospitality, Ryan. Um, there was a great atmosphere down there. You know, their rooms are getting rebuilt, but they still had great atmosphere. Um, there, there was a, a fairly strong crowd for, for a Churnside Park, you know, against Surrey Park game, and, and it was exciting, and, and we'll 
if we get a chance, we'll go back there yeah. soon. But uh, good luck to both those sides the rest of the year, and I'm sure we'll talk about them more as the year goes on. Let's wrap up Division 4 with the other two games. Croy North got their first win, Spider, 13-13-91, uh, to Nutter Wadding 12-14-86. The game seesawed the whole way, so Croydon North jumped out, seven goals to three in the first. Nutter Wadding got it back to two goals at halftime, hit the front, at three-quarter time and then just couldn't get the job done. Jacob Crow kicked five goals to former East Ringwood and Eastern Rangers man and was best of field. And then Forest Hill and Kilsyth. Forest Hill were down at three-quarter time uh, by nine points. Kilsyth really impressive. A third-quarter effort put them in front, but then Forest Hill kicked uh, seven goals to three in the last to win by 14 points, 100 to 86. Jake Rowe with seven goals. Yeah, well, I mean, as you mentioned, look, I mean, North, North Croydon, they'll be just, Croydon North, they'll be just, you know, delighted to get that first up win. A heartbreaking for Nunna Wadding. I mean, you just, you know, having the bye last week, then uh, falling short this week. Uh, you know, they'll take some positives out of that performance, no doubt, but uh, they would have loved to have been on the other side of the ledge. But uh, look, uh, on this occasion, it's uh, you know, Croydon North, uh, they get the points, and that, that'd be uh, you know more positive uh, going forward with things. And, and we're looking at Forest Hill too, boys. I mean, we've, we've spoken about it. Uh, the last couple of weeks, but you just get the sense that they really just fell over the line in that fourteen with that fourteen point. Uh, I think it says more about Kilsyth yeah, because well, that's two it, weeks in a row. So Kilsyth they've gone up against who? Surrey Park and Forest Hill. Forest Hill they've lost by two and a half goals, and Surrey Park they lost by six goals. And we before the season, a lot of people were really big on both those sides, yeah, and we were a bit critical uh, of Kilsyth in the last couple of weeks. And I know that we were sort of saying, where are they in this competition? Are they a club that wants to? You know, you know, start to establish themselves as a team and, and not just be down the, the bottom end of the ladder. And uh, yeah, yesterday they took some steps forward and I, I think they'd be you know, reasonably happy, but they really need to get a win and uh, and get their season uh, up and running and, you know, and start you know, continuing to be that competitive uh, team that we hope they can be. Gav, any and, thoughts? Uh, oh, I just like the fact for Forest Hill, you've got to mention Rowe kicking seven yeah, and Wilkinson great. three. They weren't... They only kicked one between them the week before, mm. so if it's new set up or they've just had a great day that, that they were the ones, at least they've got some firepower and they needed it because Kilsyth had them yeah, so in Kils- the third quarter. Kilsyth recruits have recruited a couple of young blokes. McKinney Ayton's one of them. Um, and from all reports, they've got players back from overseas, or not overseas, obviously last year, but may have been working straight and so on, that are really good players. So they've improved, um, evidently. And Croydon North, on the other hand, they were, they were the ones who th- a lot of people thought and I thought would be the fifth team, just with their recruits. I don't know, what are, you, are you expecting that Nutter Waddingham may be better than we thought, or maybe Croydon North aren't as good as we thought? And I know everyone, and again, each side, I reckon every person for every club texts me at some point during the first <laughs> week, oh, we got plenty out, and it's like, well... Everyone's got people out. That's it's yeah. a pandemic. Even at work, we yeah. got plenty out. It's a pandemic, and people also get injured. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the way it rolls. You yeah. know, like I, I hate that as an excuse. But like, it's when I, you I get the it. Teams, you got to be able yeah. to make those margins a lot smaller. But you don't like no, I don't you don't you don't get messages do from that. South Croydon. You don't get messages from East Ringwood. You don't get messages from Ringwood saying you got players out. You got you get messages from clubs that are you know they they, they talk big and then oh oh. Well, it's not going as well as yeah, we thought. No, no, we let, exactly. Just, yeah, it's the playing game. Well, I just wonder if Croydon North and Nutter Wadding, when they were all, both clubs, we just wanted to win over the last couple of years. Of, but they've sort of, they might have a bit of a rivalry now, where yeah. it's, they come turn up and they go, "This is one side we can beat." They're both saying it, a sort of thing, and now it's just full on, and they're having great games because this isn't their first close one. Yeah, Croydon North and Nutter Wadding. Yeah. Was, I think was it three points in Croydon North's first year. Nutter Wadding beat them at, at Hughes Park. So I drove past Hughes Park on the way back from Kimberley Reserve yesterday. They, oh, the lot, they were 
They were breaking stuff in there, Gabe. Pandemonium <laughs> <laughs> in there, the, the yeah. wind, the relief. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, I, I think there is a bit of a rivalry going on there. And I think next week, I don't, or next game, I'm not sure who either side plays. Another one he had the buy, so they've definitely got a fixture. I they've know. got Kilsyth. They've got week. Kilsyth. So that's massive wow. that's good. for Kilsyth because, like we said, they, they got so close to So Park, so close it's to Forest Hill. game, isn't it? Yeah, but if Kilsyth, like Kilsyth, the pressure's on them there a little bit because. We better beat Nutter Wadding because we've been good. You don't want to have this all this re- effort go for no reward, and then for Nutter Wadding, they'll, be, they'll still be buoyed. Twenty six scoring shots. They don't get twenty six scoring shots often. So hopefully, for for the competition's sake, all three of these sides yep. are just as good at each other. Because if they're as good as Kilsyth, they're at least around the mark. I think we'll see a few of them uh, winning games, going back and forth between them. So I think all three will 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 get wins this we'll year. Get wins this year, which is exactly what we want. And I I I do hope Kilsyth do get up because the signs have been really positive and two yeah. honourable losses, yeah, it would hurt to then to to backtrack a bit and lose to another wanting when, you know, they're they're really starting to push those top sides. We're talking about five divisions, Kilsife dropping off so far, a club of great history, to where Nutter Wadding are struggling and Croydon off. The bottom level was actually getting worse, but now it looks like these clubs have got their act together and they've got good footballers and I've Really glad that even in the fifth division, there's a standard of football we mm. can go and, and watch that, every And week. that's something that the East of Football League prides, prides itself on is, yes, the Premier Division is a great standard of football and some could argue, you know, the Vaffers' top division is better and whatever, but we, we're very proud of the fact that, obviously, Nutterwadding and Vermont wouldn't be quite a, a gap, but mm. our, our lower division is a lot more competitive like you want to keep that that's sort of almost like your pride point you want all divisions to be competitive not just that top one and, and we're seeing that hopefully Division 4 was last year was the most uneven and hopefully if the Kilsyth and one Corridor North can improve and, and, and obviously with Fair Park improving Division 3 it doesn't look like any division besides Oakley Districts unfortunately at the moment and Upper Gully to have an easy beat and that's what that's what all sporting competitions want isn't it Spider? Yeah you do and we want, we want teams winning games we want everyone to be able to go down to their local club and enjoy the you know the mateship and the friendships and the family atmosphere and uh, and get involved and you know we know teams are going to be successful and we know other teams are not going to be uh, as successful so we, we we want everyone, in, in one sense, to have that opportunity to to enjoy a footy season, get some wins along the way, but also uh, you know, experience what it's like to, to be a part of a club atmosphere and, and an environment in a competition that we uh, that we all love, from Premier right down to uh, you know to Division Four, because every club has different strategies, ambitions, and and that's what the the great thing about footy is. We all uh, we all have find our place in the pecking order where we want to sit. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, another big. Uh Monday recovery. Thank you for joining me. And next week, just good Friday footy. So have a weekend off. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no! He put it in! Oh, no! He put it in! Oh, Wignall! He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle. Oh, no! Took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kicked the check side for right in front of us. Billy, he can, make it, he can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it. Oh, you'll be okay.